Welcome to the Burn Brightly podcast, a podcast for women who were born to burn bright without burning out. I'm your host, Hannah Austin. I'm an ex-corporate workaholic, and I learned to slow the burn and find balance. Today's guest is a mindset and marketing coach for online service providers. After teaching for more than a decade, she was burned out and ready for a change. Like many online service providers, she wanted both time and freedom. So she dedicated herself to learning as much as she could about online marketing. What she didn't learn was that none of the strategies and tools would work if you haven't done the inner work to truly believe that what you have to share is of value. Now, she works with growth-minded online service providers to help them create content with confidence so that they can get the time and freedom that they dream of. If you're ready to feel inspired, please welcome Anna Huff. Hi, Anna. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Hi, Hannah. Thank you for having me. This has been um, a long time coming work in the work in progress for both of us. And I'm just glad to get to sit down with you. I think our conversation is going to be really organic and transparent. I think it's going to be amazing. Me too. Thank you. So I know Anna and I being coaches, we were just kind of commiserating a little bit before the call around being transparent and sharing, you know, who we are authentically, right, on social media or, or with our communities that we each have. And the the goal for today was really to talk about the topic of the power of saying no. Um, and specifically, I was really interested in, in Anna's story and hearing a little bit about um, what she did before to what she's doing now. So to kick us off, Anna, can you share a little bit about who the Anna was uh, prior to what you're doing now? And then briefly just touch on what your role is now. Oh, man. Um, Anna has been through so many iterations of herself. I'm like a con- consistently metamorphosing butterfly. But kind of what got me started on this entire journey was, so I, I graduated college with a degree in education and I knew that I was going to be a teacher. And in in my, the early years, it was like, I was never going to do anything else. Like that was like what my, I was going to retire a teacher. I was going to, you know, study, like go the study path and um, just do that my whole life. And then life happens as it does and you start to get into different phases and I started having a family and growing my family and then I also started getting this really deep pull to do something more impactful more powerful while at the same time I was really getting burnt out on education if any of your listeners are educators at all um or going through a strike at the moment which is like so many people across the country yeah yeah Yeah, Yeah, there's so much Um, If you're a public service at all, you know what this is like. There's a lot of politics. There's a lot of red tape. There's a lot of um, dysfunction from the leadership down because there's just a lack of like connection and understanding of what's going on, like with the boots on the ground and a lot of like really intense expectations when in the classroom and those four walls of your classroom, like There's a lot of things that people that you deal with as an educator that people don't understand. I'm not just being asked to like present this information. There's like, you're holding space for kids' emotions. You're creating a safe place. You're teaching them how to be little humans. There's so much that goes into it. And I just got to the point where I was actually working in a title building. And if you're not familiar with what that means, basically, it was a very high population of low-income families. And so there tends to be more just 
uh, trauma, there tends to be a lot more struggle with those with that demographic. And as rewarding as it was, it was really challenging. But I knew that I wanted to be able to make the impact that I was making there. I just knew that I couldn't keep doing it mm-hmm. in education. And I struggled for a long time with the fear of it's it, to me now, it's like, it seems so menial. Mm-hmm. Um, but I struggled for a long time with the fear of like, what are people, what will my, my coworkers, what will my colleagues think of me if I if I say, I don't want to be a teacher anymore, I don't want to be in education. And no, I'm not leaving to go stay home with my family. I want to pursue, you know, my own thing. I want to be a coach or I want to, you know, have a business. And that, that really kept me in place for probably a lot longer than, you know, I should have. And I did, I got to the point where I, I still remember, like I was sitting at my desk with the lights off during my plan time oh crying and I couldn't do anything. I like, there was a million and one things that needed to be done, but I was paralyzed by the intense amount of depression that I was experiencing. And I just realized like, okay, well, number one, I had to go get help. I had to go see my doctor. right? And number two, it was after that point where I was able to get my mind to a better place where I was able to realize, okay, maybe this isn't really for me. And so I left teaching actually when, when the pandemic hit, I think for a lot of people that time was sort of this like natural segue into maybe a different phase in their life mm-hmm. because everything sort of paused. And so for me, it allowed me to really explore what I wanted to do with, you know, the things that I, the skills and the gifts that I had. And so I was able to get into marketing at that point, which is kind of how I got to where I'm at now as a, a marketing and mindset coach, which again, kind of goes back to like, I've just been in this metamorphosis. I'm constantly changing, which also goes to the topic of our podcast of the podcast episode today, which is the power of saying no. Like there's been many times when I've, since that point, when I've realized, no, this isn't for me. It's time to move to the next thing. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people assume that that means you're flaky or you're flighty or you can't make up your mind. But for me, it was just this process of self-discovery. Yes. Like if I can say no, that means that's one less thing that I know is not for me. And I'm getting closer to the thing that is for me. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, from the classroom to now, it's interesting because I do a lot of the same things, but I'm doing it. And for me, what for yourself, Uh, Well, for me, for sure. Yeah. Um, But it feels like a much more potent, a much more powerful way to do it because I'm not having to like fight through the system. Yes. Um, And so, and don't get me wrong. I I think that we need amazing teachers. And I think that, you know, it's sad that there's, there's teachers who are leaving because of all of the, the stuff that's going on. But I think ultimately, you know, as an individual, I had to make a choice for myself. And for me at the time, when I left teaching, it was saying, no, this isn't for me anymore. And I can honor that. And I can do it in a way that I can look back now and be grateful for the experience that I had. Yes. And I don't have to be ashamed of it. I don't have to be ashamed of the fact that, yeah, I really didn't want to, I didn't want to keep teaching and Mm -hmm. I didn't want to just stay home with my kids either. I wanted to be my own boss and I wanted to have my own business and um, now I'm doing it. I'm so happy for you. I'm seeing your face when you were talking about, i am just had this like vision of you in a classroom in the dark, which broke my heart. But then as you're talking about what you're doing now, you're, you're, you know, you're, your eyes are lighting up. You're excited about what you do. So thank you for sharing your story. I think one of the things that you said that resonated with me a lot was when you were in that dark classroom and you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. I need help. 
that's one of the things you know, and I know from being coaching coaches and coaching is people say, I am stuck. I don't know how to get out of that dark room. I don't know how to get off the bathroom floor in my case in the dark room in your mm-hmm. case. Mm-hmm. What do you say? What do you think if someone's listening right now and they are a teacher and they are struggling and they have that voice inside at 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. and saying, mm-hmm. I don't want to do this anymore, but I'm scared of what I can do. Or what's next? What would you say to them right now? They're listening to us about breaking through that fear and what it's like now to be on the other side of that, right? It's sometimes that darkness seems like there is no light, lightness over in the other end. Yeah, there was a quote that I heard right around the same time that I was really kind of having this revelation, I guess, if you will, which is, um, and I, forgive me because I can't remember who said it, but it's a ship is safe at harbor, but that's not what ships are for. Mm, yes. And for me, that was really powerful because it was like, yeah, I'm safe here. I'm safe here because this provides stability and it provides, um, you know, all of those basic needs, but that's not what I'm here for. That's yep. not, I'm not here to be safe. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then actually in my work now as a mindset coach, your brain wants to keep you safe. Yes. So your, your reptilian brain is going to go, well, we can't do that because that's really scary and we might die. And, you know, I think one of the, the, the best pieces of advice I could give you is to find a way to explore the possibility of what if, mm, love like, it. what if it wasn't because your brain goes to like, well, if I leave, then I'm not going to have retirement or I'm not going to have healthcare or I'm not going to have this consistent income. And I'm, I'm all of these things could possibly happen. Well, yeah, sure. You're going to think that way because you were wired to think that way to keep you safe and to provide for your family. But what if it was possible to do something else? I love that. I think that a lot of the podcasts that I hear, and I know you've started a podcast too, so we won't talk about that in a minute. Um, A lot of the podcasts that I listen to are I went from A to Z, but they don't talk about the space in between, right? So as an entrepreneur, especially as a woman who's pivoting from being an empath, being the industry of empaths, which is healthcare, me, and education, you, to being on your own as an entrepreneur, trying to, first of all, decide and figure out what do I want to do next, then being in that gray space of the animosity of like, am I safe? Where am I safe? What areas am I safe in when I'm trying to do new things and trying to discover what's next for me? What would be your um, advice for someone listening right now to how do you start to put a toe into what's next for you? Right? I mean, you said, what if, but how did you start to, I want to, I want to go really deep here. Like, how did you start to figure out what you wanted to do? Did you take classes? Did you get a coach? Like, what are the steps that you did? Yeah. Well, I did, I actually found a program um, and it's called, um, now it's called the Live Free Academy. Mm-hmm. And it was basically just a virtual assistant program. And so at the time I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And at the time I actually had a blog. So I knew what I was, I knew like digital marketing. I knew all of that stuff. I had those basic skill sets like social media and um, blog content and all of that. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, let me take this and leverage that knowledge into, um, you know, this marketing piece because I think I could really do something with it. And so I took this, this program and really the program didn't teach me anything about the marketing. The program taught me about 
okay, here's what you need to do to set up your business. Here's how you can find clients. Here's how you, you know, how you write proposals, like, and all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of, that was the like catalyst, the the kickoff point for me, for my business. And I'm like, man, I really wish I would have had this when I had started my blog too, because I was like, it just got me in the right mindset. Mm -hmm. Like you do have to think about yourself as a business owner, which I think that mindset shift can be one of the hardest ones, because I think Mm -hmm. still like almost four years later, I still have, have areas and places where I'm like, I'm not, I'm not embodying my like CEO self. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what I am. And so you really have to begin to work on seeing yourself as, you know, kind of the mama to the baby. Like Mm -hmm. that's what it is. Your Mm -hmm. business is your baby and you have to pour in everything you can to it and protect it but you have to see yourself that way first. Yeah. Um, and then I did, I, I had a few coaches, which is actually how I got into coaching is I had some really amazing coaches and I just realized that that was the work that I really wanted to be doing was sitting with people and giving them ideas and talking them through all of mm-hmm. these things. And so even if you start somewhere, like even if you start in one place and you're like, okay, this is great, but it's not quite what I want. Yes don't be afraid to pivot. Like, mm-hmm. don't be afraid to say no to one thing. Because when you say no to one thing, you create space for more opportunity, for more of the things that are meant for you. Absolutely. You said you've been doing this four years or five years? Four years. Four years. Yeah. So in four years, how many times have you pivoted? <laughs> oh man, that's a good question. I mean, um, no one's going to know. So just like, but I'm just, the point is, is like to your yeah, point four earlier. four or five times. Yeah. I mean, and here's the other thing. I think we put too much weight into like what our Instagram bio says we are. I've changed my Instagram bio five times. (laughs) Because I keep doing things, right? I was a podcaster. Then I was a CEO of a wellness company. Now I have a book. Oh, wait, I'm a speaker. (laughs) I know. And it's like so... Oh, it's, it's like, that's the thing that we get caught up on. And it's like, no, like that doesn't matter. Now you do have to be able to communicate what you're doing to other people. Right. But for some reason we get stuck there Mm -hmm. on that thing. Well, titles, I mean, we, Mm -hmm. especially as women, I mean, I don't know about you, but most women I speak with, it's the title. We get hung up on that. Right. Yeah. And when you talked a little bit earlier about like the, you know, being the CEO and not feeling like you're the CEO sometimes, it's kind of hard to be the CEO because you think a CEO, which it's true, are supposed to be overseeing everything. But when you're also writing the blog, taking the p- pictures up, you're doing everything sometimes yeah. if you don't have a team. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. hard to be like today I'm because at, at, from eight to 10, you could be CEO. And from one to three, you're, you know, social media manager. Exactly. <laughs> so it just depends. Yeah. 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 And then you're your sales, you know, your sales manager and all the things. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you do have to wear, you do have to be willing to be flexible in that you can wear many different hats, but you're doing it all from the place of this is my business. And yes. I think that took me a little while to really kind of like capture that for mm-hmm. myself. Like yeah. I knew it, but I didn't really embody it. And yes. so I think and, and that may just come with time. How did you actually learn to say no? Because if I see one more post on LinkedIn about or, you know, Instagram of like, just say no, set boundaries. I mean, we, as a coach, that's like our number one go-to. Oh, you're overwhelmed? Just say no, set boundaries. 
luckily we as coaches teach people how to do that. But yeah. how did you as an entrepreneur learn to say no and then practice saying no? Because I think it's a definitely a learned habit, behavior, and skill. Mm-hmm. It really, for me, it goes back to my people-pleasing tendencies. Mm-hmm. Um, recovering people-pleaser here, like still really have a lot of you know growth to be able to make in that area but it comes back to being ruthless about knowing what I want and cultivating my own happiness and that is also a challenge I think in our society because that's looked on as like selfish Mm -hmm. but it's actually the reverse or you're a bitch I mean that's the reality yeah yeah right and it's like no like if more people were ruthless enough about their own happiness and their own peace, inner peace, like true peace, true happiness, true contentment, and they were able to say no to the things that weren't for them. I mean, we would have so many, there would be so much more goodness. Mm-hmm. I really believe that. Yeah. Um, and so for me, it had to, it had to come down to, I really had to look at, well, why, why is it that I need the people please? So then it came back to, a worthiness issue, which I have found in my work with many different walks of women in business and in life, that worthiness is really a key component to our contentment. If we don't feel like we're worthy, it's going to, it's, that's going to trickle into everything. Yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately we look for worthiness externally, right? We go to Target and we get a cute outfit or we work ourselves to death because we want that next promotion. It's all the worthiness stems from, in my opinion, external forces versus internal forces. And the and the, the moment that you decide to be happy and say no and put a stake in the ground and say, this is what I stand for mm-hmm. and actually follow through with what you stand mm-hmm. for, I feel like worthiness will come, but you're right. It's worthiness is kind of that foundational piece and belief in yourself and confidence. And it comes back to knowing. So this is kind of where my work with my clients is the framework that I use, but it's really knowing yourself. Mm. So a lot of us don't even really realize we don't even know what we want, what we don't want. Mm -hmm. We think we know what we want because we're being like inundated with like content all the time, consumption all the time. And that consumption is basically like programming us or conditioning us to think we know what we want. And then we walk around and we're unhappy. So it's like, oh, wait, no. If you take a pause, if you stop consuming for a minute and you really think about how does this feel to me? And you sometimes have to really go into your body and go like, does this feel right to Mm -hmm. me? You have to take the time to be, and that takes, that takes some intense personal honesty and if you can't be honest with yourself, you're not going to be willing to be able to find those things that are for you and are not for you. That's, that's literally like the, the very beginning step. Like you've got to acknowledge this isn't for me. Yeah. Society says it's like the best thing ever, but it doesn't, doesn't feel good to me. So I'm going to opt out and you have to be willing to do that so that you can find contentment, which will allow you to kind of overcome those like expectations of what everybody says you have to be and do that's that's so paramount in that but the piece is stepping away from the noise and Mm -hmm. I think you know one of the first pillars in my book is around stopping and pausing right and for me it was falling on crashing and 
burning on the um in the hospital or falling on the bathroom floor contemplating mm -hmm. suicide for you is your dark moment in that classroom with the lights off right one of your moments but what do we do before it gets to lights off right what can we do what are those early signs would you say um, that before you were in that room, in the dark room and crying and saying, I can't do this anymore. Like what were those things that were those earlier warning signs or those triggers for you that you ignored? Mm, I think it was, I like this question. Um, and it's going to make me think about this a little bit because I want to answer with some specific examples, but when I think back to it and I personally have just gone through something, a big no that I had to yeah. say no to. Right. Um, and it, it has created this upheaval in my personal life. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to say when I think about that, because that's the most recent thing, um, there was a lot of um, incongruence between what I felt mm. and what was happening and like yes. what, what my reality looked like. Mm -hmm. And when you have those incongruences, things feel hard there's, there's more conflict. There's, um, there uh, things, things just feel more challenging, mm -hmm. right? They're maybe not as enjoyable anymore. And you begin to start to question. And I think that those are probably some of the early signs of, of maybe you're, you're headed there. Um, really when you've lost not to say that you should always be, you know, laissez-faire, like in love with what you do right. or who you're with or whatever it is, because life's life and you're going to have those moments. But I do think there's a certain inner knowing that you get and sometimes we want to ignore it. Yeah, that's that's such a beautiful response. And I appreciate you taking time to actually deliver it and be honest. I think the other piece is you know, when you start to say no to things that feel incongruent to you, it does cause additional conflict in your life in the sense that you have to make big, bold moves and decisions. And when you make those big, bold moves and decisions um, to put that line in the stake in the ground or line in the in the grass, the people around you are either on the side of the line with you or they're on the other side. And I hate to say it's my side or your side, but that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about when you have said no to things, but said yes to others that feel more aligned with the tectonic plates inside you, mm. what has that done for you and your life and your sense of worthiness? Oh man. That's Sorry, that was kind that of is, a profound question, but I was trying to it work. It is a profound question, but it is the crux of what I, what I hope to be able to give my, the, the people who maybe are within my sphere, not even just my clients, but like, yeah. you know, anybody that I encounter, um, there is initially so much fear around saying no to something because you're maybe saying yes to something else. But we focus on the saying no part, right? And we we forget to look at, but when we say no, we say yes to all of this okay. incredible goodness and growth and yes. prosperity and yeah. abundance. And so what I have found, and this is what brings me back to it every time is like, yes, it's hard. I'm going to have to trudge through it. And yeah, there's going to be some people who maybe fall off in the process. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's really incredibly painful. Like for me, it has been in the last several months, 
really like you think about people in your life and you're like wow like it's not so much anymore about worrying about what like the masses think of you and it starts to get to now you're down to like the people that are closest to you Mm -hmm. and you're right and who show up when shit gets bad or shit Mm -hmm. gets hard yeah and when you say no to something and say yes to something else there is an incredible amount of momentum that's created it's like you're letting the universe god spirit whatever you want to call Mm -hmm. it know that you're ready for the next thing and you're in space for that and so you better get ready (laughs) because it's coming right (laughs) and it's a beautiful thing too Mm. it's for me has been incredibly rewarding um yes painful right but what is it that um a diamond is it a diamond or a pearl i think both they're created under tension from an intense pressure Mm -hmm. right i also like to call this the refiner's fire with my clients because it's like whenever you feel like you are in the heat of it and you are like get me out of here yeah that's it something amazing is coming on the other side yeah oh i love that thank you for answering the question with such grace um for those of you who aren't on video, Anna is in this beautiful new house. And I see this beautiful new house with this beautiful person that's ready to put on her life jacket and literally get ready to roll on that river of like, what's next, right? And it is scary. It's exciting, but I'm really happy for you. Thank you. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about self-discovery. What is the biggest lesson, right? So pretend your students we're in that room, the light's on, no longer, you're no longer in darkness. And you come back to that elementary school or middle school, wherever you were, and you deliver a speech to the parents and the students in that class. What do you say to them? Like where you are now? That's such a great question. I feel like I keep saying that with all your questions. They're so good. Well, but these are totally like on the fly. I'm like, hmm, I have all these scripted okay. questions. I haven't asked one of them. <laughs> that is a beautiful question, actually. Because it's funny because there was a time like a period of after I left, but I would have been like, oh gosh, like, I don't know. Like I love, I love being at home with my family and it's not, that wouldn't have been true or authentic. And now I would say like, you know, I found so much value and so much rich richness and the building relationships component Mm -hmm. of being an educator. And that is what I found to be my work and so rather than get caught up in and kind of waste not it's not wasted energy because the education of children is so important but for me get up get caught up in all of this other stuff was blocking me from really creating more momentum and building relationships with people and empowering them to really become their best selves Mm. and so what I would tell the parents would be you know, you're at this point in your life. And just because you're this, you know, I taught fifth graders. So just because you have a fifth grader doesn't mean that you can't decide that you want to create something new for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I'd look at the fifth graders and I would tell them, you have, you have endless possibilities. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't do or be whatever it is you want to be. And the things that are passion, the passions within your soul, that's what you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. So do that. I love that. Thank you so much. Anna, thank you so much, my friend, for being on the show today. I feel like I've learned so much about you and 
I just really appreciate and acknowledge this the authenticity of this conversation. And I know we're supposed to talk about the power of saying no. We touched on it a little bit, but <laughs> yes, but I think I like, I think I want to change the title to the power of saying yes, because I think that's a lot more powerful and you've truly, mm. truly proved that point today. So thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Burn Brightly podcast. Did you know that as well as hosting this podcast, I'm also an Amazon bestselling author. My new book, Hello Head, Meet Heart, is the breakthrough story and self-help guide by yours truly. It's all about how to tap into your extraordinary life. And you can find it in both paperback and ebook on my website and on amazon.com. Thank you so much for listening. And if you have a moment, could you please leave me a review? This helps more people find this show so that they can also feel inspired. See you next time.